She's blood, flesh and bone Now taps the silicone She's touch, smell, sight, taste and sound But somehow I can't believe That anything should happen I know where I belong And nothing's gonna happen loves him, but the rest of us think he's a putz. It's the Drew Marshall Show. Well, this is a song that many of you may remember from back in the 30s. <laughs> I was going to say. Uh, let's, let's let it roll a little bit. No, no. Yeah, I want to just listen to it a little bit more. This is a big effort. All right, here we go. Let's listen to it. Turn up a little bit. No, I'm like, I don't even know the words. She's so high, high above me. She's so lovely. She's so high. Didn't the Munchkins release this? The Chipmunks. The Chipmunks. The Munchkins. We represent the Orphan Army. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Tal Backman is in the studio as we speak. Tal has uh, turned himself into a bit of a regular here on the Drew Marshall Show. Today, though, he joins us live in studio for the uh, for the entire show. Trying to keep the voice going. I'm, no, I'm, oh yeah, it's so <laughs> fake right now. I uh, see, see. Okay, here we go. Hold on. Oh, yeah, it hurts see, my chest. I don't think you should in- inhale helium. No, you can inhale it. It just because what? You it's have breathing it out. You can't no, do. It's, it's just because you don't get any oxygen. That's why you're feeling wacky right now. <sighs> Tim obviously has a lot of experience yeah, with apparently. inhaling <laughs> inhaling strange things. Of course. My dad's a doctor. He brought stuff home all the time. Um, do you actually have, can you not get a website? Because they're one of the hardest guys to promote. Like, you got to promote your me? Facebook page. Because you're not tweeting. I have too much to say for Twitter. You do. It's not like 30 things, whatever it is. 40. 147 things. I think in chapters, you know. <laughs> I think. It's very sophisticated <laughs> thought. It can't be confined. Oh, my goodness. 140 characters. Um, okay, we have so many things to talk about. There's no point. Well, let me just do a formal introduction. Ladies and gentlemen, Tal Backman is in studio. Uh, he is a uh, recording artist extraordinaire. Did you actually win some money for that song or awards or stuff? Well, you you know, you make money when you have lots of radio are you, play. Are you still getting money? Yeah, still comes in. Yeah? How much would you make? Um, <laughs> well, if you write, if you if you are the sole songwriter of a big song, yeah. you'll, you, you know, you're, I mean... Yeah, there's a lot of variables, obviously, but I mean, if it's once it's getting like blasted at radio all over the world, you're making like you know maybe a few hundred grand a year. Okay, that's all right. So, and that will sort of go for a little while. Yeah, that'll last. Has it been in a movie? It's been in some movies. Yeah, I think so. I think I, I saw it in a movie. Yeah, um, she's out you of my saw league. The song or something. In a movie? I never watched the movie. What was the movie called? I think it was She's Out of My League. Oh, I never right. saw it. Why not? 
it looked stupid. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I I just got an email saying, "Do we have permission to use your song in this movie?" And I was like, "Go, go, go!" You know. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. I nice. Mean, that's yeah. I'm proud of making more money. So that. I, and I, I didn't. didn't care. Some European like star search guy. Yeah. Neil yeah, Norwegian Lars guy covered it, so that was cool because I got another huge. bump in royalties. Yeah. Then like two years after mine. <laughs> kind of had spiked. So. Um, folks, just, cool. just in case you're wondering, we are streaming live on Periscope, so if you'd like to watch the live video feed of Sal Backman in studio, you can go to Periscope and type in Drew Marshall Show. Drew Marshall Show. Because apparently if you type in The Drew Marshall Show, it doesn't come up. Really? <sighs> what is with these people? I mean, you can get that on uh, website, on your on your uh, browser, on your computer. You can get it on mobile apps and blah, blah, blah. Figure it out. If you can't figure it out, you don't deserve to watch Tal Backman live in studio. So... You're here in the uh, GTA because yeah. of a something to do with a relative of yours. Is that right? An uncle or? Oh, well, my dad's getting a big award. On That's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. He's getting a Lifetime Achievement Award from SoCan, I think. For what? Lifetime Achievement. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, Music. But what, is, what has he really done? Like, you know, has he done as much as Bono? Well, I don't know. Children, water obviously depends on how you measure these things. <laughs> um, I don't know that he's done a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Why aren't you a Mormon anymore? It's not true. What? <laughs> Shocker! I know. Shut <laughs> I know. up! I know. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> Who knew that the uh, you know the local native band wasn't you know blood descendants of. Lost Israelite sailors. So you're saying we're all Mormons? What? What is that? No, it's just you know, I, whatever. I was raised in the thing, and you kind of get indoctrinated. And so, what's the soundbite as to why you got out? Well, because it's Without not true. Swearing. I mean, it's not true. I mean, I, you know, I, you know, I mean, you always have questions, right? And I mean, mainstream Christians are probably the same. You know, you have these kind of like, well, gee, not I don't you, know if this really adds up. Not if you really love Jesus. Well, probably not a lot of your audience, <laughs> <laughs> from what you tell me. Um, but I mean, if you really, you know, you, you know, put on your thinking cap um, and you start, you know, things don't add up. But they seem like they're very much at the fringe. So, like, I've had conversations with Christians before, and we can get into a couple of these, con- uh, you know, uh, these topics in particular, where we will, you know, we will, I will have the Christian before me, and he will say the Bible is the infallible and in- inerrant word of God, mm-hmm. and all I will do is open up the Bible, read a few scriptures that will completely con- will completely contradict um, what this guy does in his church, you know, and there's absolutely no explanation. Um, but apparently they just kind of like leave it on the fringes and they don't really care because Jesus is Lord. So it's kind of the same with Mormons. You kind of have the, these questions on the fringe. And when you really start to think about it, you're like, wait a second, this doesn't add up. And then to complete the thought, you know, the more you research and the more you focus and try to reconcile these things and find answers, the more the whole thing just deteriorates. But were you the first in your family to to leave? Yeah. And did others follow? Yeah. Did they all follow? Um, not all of them. So, no, and I, do you I, feel guilty about um, wrecking what? their faith? Well, I didn't wreck their faith. I, I, I asked them respectfully if they would be interested in hearing about what I had discovered, or whether if if it, by some crazy chance it were true that Mormonism was not what it claimed, right. would they actually want to know? Right. 
So when somebody says, That's nice. that was yeah, cool yeah. So when, so when somebody says, well, I, no, I guess I wouldn't really want to know. It's a conversation's over. If they do say, well, yeah, actually, now that I think about that, I've never thought about that before. But now that I do, yeah, I guess I would. What is it that you know that I don't know? So now that, wait, should I, I think I know this answer, but just to be clear for our listeners, uh, did you tell daddy about this stuff? Yeah. If he's now a little more chilled on all the Mormon stuff, maybe the guess who could go back together. <laughs> Um, um, Well, you know, my dad lives like, well, we'll just say he has a residence in this general vicinity in the greater Toronto area, in Ontario somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. Um, 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 And maybe you could have him in one day. Maybe he would talk about some of this stuff. But uh, not no, from he, what you've told me. Well, I mean, he's not gonna. Okay. Well, I don't know if he wants to go into detail about his religious journey. Right. But um, I don't think he'd ever get back together with the guest who he's had a big falling out with Burton Cummings. With who? Burton Cummings, the singer. I'm not, guy. Uh, yeah, not familiar with the that name. Drunk who sang in the right. Sorry. The guy who slaughtered. <laughs> no, no, I'm just joking. The guy who slaughtered <laughs> the national anthem at the I'm 100th Great Cup. I'm just joking. With his Casio keyboard. No, no, no. I have to say, Bur- you know, Burton, Burton, a phenomenal musician and a fantastic singer, and and also a truly a great beep, Canadian legend. So. Beep, beep. I was only beep. being silly. Nice backup. Would you have had eight kids if you weren't a Mormon? Well, not within wedlock. By accident, possibly. Um, You know, inadvertently, possibly. Um, Probably not. But, you know, I'm glad I did. Um, I met your brother. Yeah. Are you all large human beings? Uh, Yeah, I I think so. Yeah. Man, seriously, if I was rolling on the streets of Toronto, I'd want you two with me, man. Well, thanks, I guess. <laughs> I mean, you're a pretty big guy yourself. What's the Backman heritage? I feel like he's about to ask you out there. Yeah. Well, my dad is uh, German and Ukrainian, and yeah, the other side it. is yeah. Scottish and German. That'll do it. Yeah. That'll do. No one's small around that area. Though. I'm led to ask you this question because, you know, you and I have, uh, we crack open worms of discussions and go off on all sorts of different tangents and mm-hmm. tirades. And uh, I just want to say two words to you and see what happens. Okay. okay. So this is the right. this is the push button towel doll. This okay. is the string on the back. Okay, I'm going to try to hit this one out of the park. Okay, for you, here we go. Ready? Okay. I'm pulling the string, and now I'm letting it go. Donald Trump. Well, you know, hair is the first thing that comes to mind. I, going for president. I mean, uh, okay. I, let me let me just gather my thoughts for a moment. I, I mean. The United States has 319 million people, and and it's really amazing at, at how poor a lot of the candidates seem election after election. I, I mean, I don't think I'm alone in thinking that. It's, I mean, that's one thought that pops into my head. You know, can't can't we get sort of a a, a, a man or a woman with a clear vision? Uh, you know, with some detail in there. Somebody no, because those people are smart enough not to go into politics, and they stay in the corporate world and make decent money. I, yeah, or or the and more control and less hassle, or the structure or the political structure there just does not lend itself to that. Yeah, now in oh, there's that too. Now, uh, yeah, and now you could got two choices. Yeah, you know, you could argue that on a parliamentary system, th- there is there's a little bit better of a vetting process for leaders. Really? Um, yeah, you yeah. could. Um, yeah, because to 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 kind of become one of those candidates, you have to have shown skill in building a coalition while you were a member of the party. You know, you have to have, you know, you have to have demonstrated over a period of time leadership ability, the ability to inspire people to form strategic alliances. So, you know, you've already kind of been in that that game. And 
you know, I don't know that it's it's quite the same down there. Do you think having just two parties makes a big difference too? Well, yeah, maybe. I mean, but I mean, uh, but you know, back to my back to what I was saying before. Like Barack Obama, like he he kind of made it into the state senate in Illinois, and then he made it into the United States Senate, and he wasn't there an hour before he kind of started to make his intentions known that he wanted to run for president. And he wound up, you know, getting the nomination over Hillary Clinton. You know, it, it seems to be because of, you know, factors other than demonstrated yeah. skill. Experience. Because Hillary Clinton would kick his face around the block <laughs> in terms of demonstrating legislative ability, right? Mm-hmm. She'd been in the Senate. She'd worked with the guys on the other side of the aisle. Da, da, da. All of a sudden, Barack Obama wins. Like, what has the guy done to demonstrate that he's qualified yeah that he can actually play the game of politics and win at it and i think you could argue that you know he hasn't done particularly well in terms of playing the game of politics harper's magazine had a feature article last month about he has that. a magazine <laughs> harper's magazine <laughs> yeah. had it you know that was the view from the left you know obviously the guys on the right have been saying that so there's a little bit of a jimmy carter like maybe political ineptitude there that his Anyway, um, well, they seem like nice guys. Yeah, the like the question is whether too. they're, you know, they're the best okay. guy for the job. I just, yeah. We spent too long on that question. Okay, <laughs> whatever. Okay. Yeah. We're going to dumb this back down. Thank you. Okay. Chapters, Will not you? 140 characters. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, Tom Backman. Yeah, I'll keep it short this time. Will you ever have another hit? Yes, but I, yeah, but it's like secret plans right now. What? Yeah, I can't really get into it. That, you can't say that. <laughs> 140 characters. Can you get it? Can you, that was 140 characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm tweeting that right now. Can you get into your meetings yesterday a little bit? Um, well, I can just say that I'm working on a project and I'm really excited about it. And, and it should be thanks, a Mr. Vanilla. music uh, slash TV project. So. Ooh. Don't want to jinx it. You know. We should talk about how they didn't renew your TV contract after that Ian Stark. <laughs> 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 that would be entertaining. <laughs> so can we, Wait, was can that we the talk course about? of events? <laughs> no. That's wicked. No, but here's the interesting thing, and we talked about this because you guys were both on last week as a little teaser. Uh, Lara was a television executive at yeah. a place where I was involved in a television show, and one time welcome. at band camp, <laughs> one time I invited Tal to come on via Skype, and just before we decided to go to do the thing, Tal said, oh, Wait a second. I got an idea. You know what we should do? And he came out in character as? Ian Starglow, the British rock star. And what is Ian's problem? Uh, well, I mean, well, in that episode. <laughs> Just that episode or in thing. general? Well, in that horrible TV thing. It's where on I, YouTube, folks. I, I ambushed Drew, and he's a very good sport about it. But, um, you know, I came on as the, you know, the artist formerly known as Tal Bachman, and now I was reinventing myself as, you know. Ian Starglow, so he kept asking me questions about being a Canadian musician, and I kept talking about, you know, I don't know what you're talking about, mate. I'm from England now. I've never heard of these people. Is he Larry a little McLaughlin. Russell Brandish? Oh, I don't know. Vaguely, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Vaguely. Monty Python. Yeah. Ask. Um, wh- why? What is the go with Bachman and Bachman? Well, you know, it changes. It doesn't really matter. In, in Canada, people tend to say Bachman. Um, I mean, Bachman. No, they say Bachman. You, you really hear? Oh, at least in Manitoba, where all the families. Well, that's where the Mennonites are. That's where the yeah. Bo- but I mean, it really should be Bachman, right? So it should be. 
Yeah, it should. I mean, that's the original German pronunciation, but it doesn't really matter. Like, nobody cares. So. Okay. I think it yeah. does. I like to be smug with people and say, no, it's Bachman, idiot. I know. Yeah, well, the, the only thing that kind of bothers me is that <clears throat> my name is Tal. And Your name is Talmadge. Yeah, Talmadge or Tal. And people say, like, Dal, you know, or, you know, Tal. Tal. Or if I get, like, the... Um, well, I mean, I mean, I just to digress for a second. When I get the customer service calls, you know, that have been outsourced to India, I I get can I please speak to Talamagi Bachaman? You know, Talamagi. And you know Talmage. right away these are people very familiar with yes, you. Yes, they know you. Yes, they know you. Well, then you also get like people pulling rank on the French pronunciation because you know Talamagi looks sort of French in Canada, so it's like, will that be all? Well, somebody asked me the other day, said, oh, I think it might have been you, Laurie, said, how did you guys first connect? And, and uh, really, the, it goes back to the fact that I saw you on a show that I quite enjoyed. It was called Religious mm. with um, Bill Maher. And there was a quick snippet of Tal talking about um, how he used to be Mormon and now he's no longer kind of stuff. And my impression of that snippet was it was way too short. This guy has way more to say. And turns out he does. Just can't shut him up now. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm actually hoping that we can segue into me hijacking the show so I can do a little mini op-ed piece. I love it. I love it. Uh, folks, uh, we are going to talk about uh, a couple of things here which may disturb you. So if you are sensitive, uh, politically correct, or homeschoolers, you may not want to tune in at this point in time. Um, what is the... Uh, I don't know if you can redo what you did the other day, but that mm. rant you laid out yeah. about women and world peace... <laughs> I want no, you to have. I, the, I don't think we can. I want you to have the testicular fortitude to be able to say that in front of Lara. I so want to hear this. <laughs> That's why I came today. So, if I got this right, my my subconscious says this, Tal, that it goes a little something like this. Be careful. In West Philadelphia, born and raised on the school ground was where I spent most of my day. Um, no, it was it, go, it goes a little something like this. Women are nuts. Well, I didn't put it like that. <laughs> uh, come on. Uh, women are no more nuts than men are. But, but what is the issue here at hand? Tom? Well, I think the, the – well, just to put this in context, we kind and of – we're so close right now. Uh, yeah, you I know, know, like physically, like no it's personal amazing. Space. <laughs> well, we ended up – I'm going to try to make this concise or whatever, but Drew and I ended up talking, and I guess I kind of went off a little bit. But you when you think about these big problems and you're – you know, and it's like my – Okay, I'm going to try to focus right now. <laughs> I guess I would say that no matter what we accomplish, there is a this kind of persistent streak of, we'll say, non-rationality in the human family. Got it. Okay, yeah. and you see different manifestations of it, and sometimes there seems to be sort of uh, sex differences in how the irrationality or non-rationality manifests itself. So guys do some non-rational things, women do some non-rational things, and... We make achievements in technology, we make scientific discoveries, but that, and we kind of take that to mean that we're all getting more rational, but I, I don't know that it actually means that. So we have made new discoveries, and yet these, these persistent strains of non-rationality persist, and they have the potential to destroy human life. Um, so for example, so where this kind of led into is one of the virtues of organized religion is that, you know, 
everybody, let's say in the case of Christianity, which is a creedal religion, everybody is on the same page or, or is supposed to be on the same page or more or less on the same page about certain items of doctrine. So we do these sorts of things. We believe these sorts, sorts of things about God, about life, about right and wrong, etc. And And so – and we gather together as a community and we worship together um, – there's some guy wandering. Can we get rid? Tim, can you get rid of this guy? <laughs> Jesus, where's the bodyguard? <laughs> um, okay. Anyway, where was I? Guy, I don't in know. The middle I, of this lecture, I was wandering. I was a wa- homeless I, guy just wandered <laughs> in. Okay. Talking about the so, tenets of the faith. Okay, so where I'm agree. going, yeah. Yeah, so organized resi- re- maybe one of the we could say that one of the virtues of organized religion is that it kind of co-opts or takes over this this seemingly ineradicable non-rational part of you. It puts it into this kind of category, and and it and so the non-rationality becomes kind of predictable, and it can even be kind of maybe ch- sort of transformed or channeled into positive outcomes. For example, you believe that there's a God and that God wants you to stay married through thick and thin, but also create, make that marriage meaningful and joyful and happy. You show respect for your spouse, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it kind of well, it, maybe it's not quite rational to believe that there's a God or that he even is watching us or that he cares what we do or who we sleep with. But believing that can kind of channel this this otherwise chaotic, non-rational impulse. I want to challenge you with something. Yeah. You chickened out in my challenge of you describing why women... Well, I was, well, I was getting to that. Well, get to it, man. We got <laughs> okay, nine well, minutes lay it to on talk me. about Christian okay. music as okay. well. Oh, so. really? Okay, lay it on me. What? No, well, I'm just trying, you know, I seem to recall you saying, you know what, um, uh, the, the uh, irrational responses of women um, make, uh, make uh, the irrational responses of men pale in comparison. No, I don't think I ever said that. Come on! Okay, but, but well, well, here's an example. So, if you, you are so intimidating, uh, Laura. Uh, no, hang on a second. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. It's better to stab him in the back. That's uh, no. effective. This is what it is. If you're a non-Mormon and you're not Christian, not non-religious person, and you're out there dating non-kind of, you're out there dating women that are not into organized religion, you never know what you're going to get. It's palm readers. It's psychics. It's astrology. There it's we go. Uh, psychology today. There we go. It's like the, I was talking to the gals last night, and they told me that you know, insert kind of cl- cliche life-affirming slogan or something, and that's what they believe for like the next love. three or five or seven days until they kind of. Okay, so this is from a guy's perspective kind of dealing with non-religious women. I have to say that, you know, men have their own manifestations of non-rationality. Of course you have to say that, but the reality is what you're really well, like saying for example, is that, Mike, well, is that uh, Oprah-ized women, has uh, that been a good thing in the, in the world uh, or not so much? Well... What I get, what I would say is that there's an element of unpredictability which makes maintaining a relationship very difficult. There we you go. never know what you're going to get. Now, just to be fair, like yeah. I myself, I'm, I'm I'm well aware that I am prone to non-rational impulses. For example, as Drew knows, <laughs> like right now, as Drew knows, as, as Drew knows, I mean, for a while, I wanted to just go like go to war. I was too old to join the military, so I just played rugby. I mean, that's a, like, pretty much a non-rational thing to do. I just wanted to go smash guys. Seriously, I wanted to be on a team, put on a you know a uni- military uniform, a rugby jersey, yeah. and go smash guys. So and throw things backwards. Yeah. So <laughs> what? Again, back to my point is maybe one of the virtues of organized religion is that it gives you predictability and stability. Oh, yeah, Listen see, to that. That's where he was going. What to do you think about that? I think there are. I think to Tal's point, there are gender differences. 
that, you know, are stereotypes and don't, don't mean that they apply to everybody, but certainly I can accept them if everyone else in the room can. And I think that um, women tend to focus in areas that are meaningful for them relationally. Oprah's been a huge influence, and out of that has come this quest for spirituality. So whether you're a member of an organized religion or that, to your point, manifests a different way, I think that's definitely something very appealing, again, stereotypically to women. I also take the point that Tal, I think, is trying to make, at least here, <laughs> that men have, you know, f foibles equally. There are things that they pursue, like rugby, like sport, like other things that just appeal to them based on their nature. And I think, uh, I think we as human beings are unpredictable. And so when any of us come into relationship, whatever that means, whether it's in a dating pool or in a marriage there's or a socially, there's a pool <laughs> and an agenda. Um, I think anything can happen. And so, yeah, the world's become a bit of a crazy place. But right. that's what dialogue's for. That's what actually makes this kind of fun, doesn't it? Is to ask questions and be curious and find out what people think and why they think it and question which, them which on is, it. Which is worser? A male president that's, that uh, um, feels that God is calling the country to war, mm -hmm. or a female president <laughs> that feels that their tarot card reader or uh, mm -hmm. Eckhart Tolle uh, suggests that we, we all have a day of holding hands. Are you asking me that yes, question? Yes, I am. That's a ridiculous yeah. question. It is. Yeah, no, that's just, a ridiculous question. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, obviously the guy's worse. So, I, I mean... The guy's worse? Yeah, yeah. But it's oh, also sure. an, it's an well, unfair yeah, set of examples war. that you're juxtaposing together. That's ridiculous. Well, uh, well no, but they're both non-rational. <laughs> yeah. That's what uh, I'm saying. They're both, both non-rational. Non but one seems a little more <laughs> stupid than the other one, doesn't it? But you see, what? Like, women women have made decisions to go to war, too. I mean, Margaret Thatcher. It's yeah. not can, that can you get closer guys, to that unidirectional? It's not Margaret. that only guys have done it. You know, guys, women have done it, too. I mean, Margaret Thatcher, she... She yeah, of course. One of yeah. the toughest well, women that's so, ever been out there. So, so I, she had children. What was that? What is <laughs> nothing, to, nothing. To, to clarify my point really quickly? Yes. In, in your examples, we have two actors, and they're both acting non-rational. Yes. Okay. And so, so my my point is, is that maybe we should give up the hope of trying to make the human race more rational and try to come up with better mythologies. Mythologies mm -hmm. that we could conceivably believe in that that lead to better outcomes. Being more comfortable with new lies. That's what I'm saying. New, new lies. New lies. New Better lies. lies. Now, cynical, but you know, maybe <laughs> it's age. But, cynical but helpful. That's tell Batman's slogan. And or make it way more appropriate to question the existing ones and to challenge each other right. on what our true motives for things are, because it becomes all too easy, by the way, in a world that's not overly clever or full of not overly clever people, for us to throw up like a shield, yes. uh, a set of values or a set of doctrines that um, justify our behavior that just aren't true. And it takes more of us to call people out on that. You guys say smart stuff, eh? Okay. <laughs> uh, it's not hard to do in this place. Yeah. I mean, uh, relative, the relatively low. speaking, okay, yeah. Sure. Don't, don't bring nice. my relatives into this, man. All right, um, let's jump to our final segment on the Tal Backman Show. I would like to just say this line one more time because Tal um, said it to me. Uh, the grandeur of Christian music centuries ago as compared to the relentlessly insipid nature of contemporary <laughs> Christian music today. Did I, did I say that? Word for word, oh, baby. Really? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's Couldn't we say that about all music then if that's the... No. No, uh, I don't think so. No. Uh, 
So what is the bee in your bonnet about Jesus music? Well, I, <clears throat> well, you know, speaking of non-rational impulses, there is a part of me that would like to believe in something big and some awesome kind of mythology and belong and stuff, of course. That's, why we, that's why we have the high priest of, of Norse paganism yeah. coming up soon. And, and so um, one of the obstacles to Christianity, one of the many for me personally, is the music is just terrible. Um, not just the music, well, definitely the music that you hear on Christian radio stations, Christian pop and Christian rock music. It's just absolutely insipid. But, <laughs> but, even, but, but even when you go to like normal mainstream... Kidding. Normal no. mainstream, at least sort of normal mainstream white Protestant churches. The music is terrible. It is terrible. It is terrible. Okay. So, and, you know, you, you think about this, and then you think back on, the, like, the centuries of Christian music. Like, I'll make this quick, Drew. That's um, right. I know you're into dumb, short stuff. But, uh, <laughs> um, um, Don't talk about anyway, my kids like that, you man. Look back, uh, you look back at, like, you know, uh, the, the history of Christian praise music. You've got Gregorian chants. You have, uh, you know... Uh, Gregor give us an example of okay, Gregorian chant. Okay, do we have one of those? All let's right, go. let's have let's a listen. Come on. 15 seconds. Come on, cue balls. C-O-C-L-A. C-O-L-A. Okay, beautiful. My Mysteri father plays dominoes better than your okay. father. <laughs> okay, when I hear that, I'm thinking mystery, beauty, dark beauty. You know, <laughs> you know, we don't know exactly know what's going on, but it's you know we're singing a hymn about it. Um, what else do we got there, Tim? Morning has broken. Morning has broken. Classic Church of England hymn. Let's go. Let's go. Sung by the vicar, Cat Stevens. Morning has broken like the first morning. Goodbye, young, unlike the last Praise for the sea. Okay, all right. What else? Another one. What else do we got? Mormons. Stop ruining these songs, man. What? They're good these, tunes. These are sacred songs. We so. finally did do something sacred, and he's ruining it. <laughs> Okay, good. That's enough of that. <laughs> no, I wanted to play more. <laughs> okay. No, you're going to sing. I That's am. What you're do. Yeah, before Drew ruins it. And yeah. our last our last selection. Okay, now we're talking. Yeah. And, and what category would you put oh, this one in? Just awesome. What category would you put this one in? Well, Negro spiritual. gospel, spiritual, spiritual thing? Yeah. So, um, these are four, uh, you know, four examples of like uh, Christian music, different styles. I would say all of them awesome. Okay, Onward Christian Soldier, kind of a martial, you know, kind of politically, you know, insensitive these days or incorrect, but uh, you know, militant kind of, you know, when Christianity was really true. I mean, all Endemic. of these, yeah, all of these songs are, are 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 composed by Christians who actually believe that Christianity is true. They're earnest about it, and there, to me, there is a real sting in a positive way. There's a there's a, a, a spirit in that music that is very moving, and you turn on, you go into a normal uh, church today. And if you could only judge by the music, you would say that these people don't really take their religion seriously because the, the music is utterly vapid. Now, I don't know if we have any examples. Do we have this. an example of, of anything like that? Let's, let's I haven't selected these. No, so. no. This is something that we've done. Okay. okay. Well, 
Well, that's a total copy of the, that country hit. Okay, so anyway, I mean, well, that's another thing, too, is very, very derivative, like almost mm-hmm. as a rule, very derivative. So every what does time, that mean to well, the to regular like, person? Well, okay. Derivative. Uh, uh, um, well, okay, well, this is one thing that I picked up on in the Christian, you know, contemporary music thing, is, is every time a band comes out that makes a big splash like Mumford & Sons, we get the Christian band copy, and it's like this note-for-note derivative <laughs> imitation. Um, it, it's, it's like uh, porno movies that are copying, like Beverly Hills Cop or something ah. like that, right? I mean, they redo these things. It's this horrible... That's the perfect analogy. imitative yeah. thing. Is horrible. It's at, so. What I want to know is, as a non-Christian, is you know, What's Christian, you? yeah, like uh, spiritual warriors, Christian spiritual warriors. I don't mean nutcases, but people that actually believe. Where are you? And can you give us some awesome music like your ancestors? Um, where does this come from? I feel like passing I think the there where is d- still some, but you know what? I, no. You know what I feel like the difference is the first set of music, even. Um, the Gregorian chants, those feel like they're in response to something, in response to the scriptures, in response to political socioeconomic factors right. going on, whereas music today seems like it's for the sake of music or performance. No, like we have to have something that Because the worship the industry has taken over Christian music. Because it's become a business? Is that where you're going? That's where I'm going with that. And I also want to just say that what sells are erotic love songs to Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's what sells these days. I, you're I my everything, you're my all in all, yeah. you're my boyfriend, yeah. I love you. Yes, I, uh, but my question though is is that is that, you know, is is it really the case that like something that is more moving would not sell? I mean, once you got past the gatekeepers, wouldn't people respond I, to this? I, I also think that to me it's it's yeah, the music is one of the thing of its own, but it's the lyrics that drive me nuts. Um, there is no questioning. It's all just everything's black and white and it's it's faith isn't like that. Yeah, it's and it's it's as Drew was saying, like very simple love songs to Jesus, which, you know, maybe it, that's that's there's nothing wrong with that in and of no. itself. There's totally room for that. It's just that we got like, we're like 99 percent, 100 percent are very vapid love songs to Jesus. Well, you have your guitar here? I do. Yeah. Why is that here? Well, I. Um... Yes. <laughs> that's well, um, I actually tried my hand at writing a song that I would have liked to have heard. In, in in church? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. Do you want me to I'll lay it on? Yeah. I would love that. Yeah, it sounds like a cheap guitar. Yeah, it is. Terrible one in a million uh, invaluable <laughs> thing that belongs to my dad. Can you can you hear that? Yeah, it's out of tune, but that kind of adds to the charm, I think. Yep. Um, so, you know, I, I have been places where I've stumbled into like humble country little churches and the people are there singing their hearts out and they're kind of singing these like wonderful um, uh, kind of depression era. Jesus was a man of the people type hymn. Yep, and that's something that I can kind of understand. And sure, so, it's almost because there's a social justice thing. Yeah, it's it. exactly. It's yeah. kind of the social justice thing. And so this is one of the different sort of styles of Christian praise music that I thought you know was cool. So I actually tried to write my own. So this is Tal Backman's I, I first this. Christian music song. Uh yeah. Wow. I tried to write like Brought a little... Brought to you by Sparrow Records. Yeah, because I was just like, you know, you're kind of walking down the dusty roads. You, know, and you got like the little Gideon's Bible in your pocket. And you've kind of been riding the rails because you're a hobo. you got like a little stick and a little, you know, little gingham sack on the back. So I wrote this with my brother. And you can all sing along if you want. This is called The Nazarene. This is like WKYZ down in Knoxville, Tennessee. It's 1938 right now. It goes like this. So here's the chorus. It goes a little something like this. It goes a little something like this. Oh, the Nazarene, oh, the Nazarene. 
has always walked with me wherever I've been, whether near or far, he's always in my heart. My Savior and King, he's the Nazarene. Okay, here's the first verse. Well, he talked with the sinners and he sang with the saints. He broke bread with beggars and heard their complaints. He said, suffer the children to come unto me. So kind and serene, he's the Nazarene. Okay, everybody's got to sing right here. It goes, uh, oh, the Nazarene. Nazarene, oh the Nazarene, it's always walked with me wherever I've been, whether near or far, he's always in my heart, my Savior and King, he's the Nazarene. What's the standard? My Savior and King, He's the Nazarene. Ladies and gentlemen, tell back okay. there live on the Drew Marshall Show. Christians out there, I want to hear that kind of music. <laughs> Lay it on me. You can send your checks to where, Tal? Well, I'm, this is the one and only performance of this song, probably. So, well, oh, oh, you mean I start my own church? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like well, I wouldn't brother, be. A, where art thou in here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, if I did start my own church, I wouldn't be any, you know, more of a believer than half of these guys. But. Listen to you. Listen to you. I'm just a bitter, I, cynical, I, 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 terrible. I love the fact you're you're here today, man. Love it, love it, love it. Um, will you do me a favor and yeah. uh, and hang around a little bit? Because yeah. really, there are two of the guests I only booked because you wanted them. So yeah, I'll come back. You better come back. <laughs> yeah, I'll come back, <laughs> folks. Uh, Tom Backman on the Drew Marshall Show, dude. That was fantastic. Believe cool, it or thanks. not. Yeah, I know you felt in- incomplete, but you completed me. Thanks, brother. <laughs> thanks for having me on. <laughs> Laura, it was always a pleasure to have you here. I know. Will you be Will you be coming back as well and joining us for a couple of things and yeah, for chatting? A things. Good, yeah. beautiful. A short break. Stay with us. Sick of your pastor, minister, rabbi, or imam preaching every single weekend? Want to get rid of them? Then it's time to give them the Cranberry Village experience. Look, we all know they deserve to get away from you for the weekend, but you need to give us the inside scoop. So to nominate your pastor and their spouse to win an $1,800 weekend away at Cranberry Village, simply go to drewmarshall.ca and click on the man being thrown from a cliff. Then fill out the form and explain why you want to get rid of your pastor. Then on July 25th, we'll randomly draw the winner, which means that the more individual submissions from your church, the greater chance of your pastor winning this. 
A getaway for two at Cranberry Village, which includes a two-night stay at the Living Water Resort in a one-bedroom condo. A round of golf for two with a lesson from the golf pro. Spa session for two. Dining for two at Memories Restaurant or Agua Tapas and Wine Bar. Bicycle rentals and boating for two. This prize package is valued at over $1,800. But wait, there's more. We'll also read the top 12 stories during our shows in July. You know, the stories that made us laugh, cry, or stand in awe of your pastor. Then we'll randomly draw from these 12 stories on July 25th and the winner with one of the best reasons to get rid of their pastor will win this. A getaway for two at Cranberry Village, which includes a one-night stay at the Living Water Resort, deluxe room plus one of the following, a round of golf with cart for two, a spa session for two, outdoor bicycle and marina experience, or dining for two at Memories Restaurant and Agua Tapas and Wine Bar. This prize package is valued at over $500. Let's be honest, it really is time to get rid of your pastor for a weekend. For more information, go to drewmarshall.ca and click on the man being thrown from a cliff. Remember, the more individual submissions from your church, the greater chance of your pastor winning an $1,800 weekend getaway at Cranberry Village in Collingwood. Submissions will be accepted until June 30th, 2015. One submission per person. Living Water and Cranberry Gulf Resort, located in the Collingwood Blue Mountain region. A village of two resorts for your selection offers an escape like no other, only 90 minutes north of the GTA. Spanning 750 acres of stunning countryside, both resorts are an ideal destination for weddings, corporate and social functions. Corporate groups are given the chance to relax, rejuvenate and inspire their team to success in majestic surroundings. Captivate your team in spacious function rooms and unwind with a round of golf at our magnificent 18-hole golf course set against the backdrop of Blue Mountain. Living Water and Cranberry Gulf Resort, waterfront getaway, 90 minutes north of the GTA.